Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word. The Bible says very clearly that they're acute, that the abusers will pay the price. Whether they're saved or not, I'm not saying it would keep them out of heaven, but what I am saying is that there's going to be a price to pay. Abusers will get their due. You say, Pastor, I, I want to believe that. Well, believe it. In Romans 12, 19, it says, Dear friends, never take, a, never take revenge. And let me stop because I want to get personal for a minute. I, my mom was, was a wonderful Christian, and, but she knew how to get my dad's goat. And he was unsaved most of his life, and it was a terrible household, a terrible situation. Uh, I mean, he didn't beat her. I never saw him pick up a hand against her, but the two of them could really get into it. And my mom would, would, would slip in her ways of digging on him. Mm-hmm. Not that any of us would ever do that. But it says, don't take revenge. I think back, my dad hated cream cheese. I can't tell you why. I I like cream cheese. But it seems like that every other meal, my mom found a way to get cream cheese into the diet. And, of course, my dad, why don't you put cream cheese in that? And then, of course, the argument would come. She said, well, Tom, you know, will you get it with part of the recipe? Like, Like my mom read a recipe, right? Yeah, you you understand what I'm saying, right? Okay, but that was her way of digging on on him, and 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 I'm not faulting her. He was, you know, he wasn't saved and so on. But the point is, is that don't take revenge. Just keep your mouth shut, okay? And it says, leave it to the righteous anger of God. For the Scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. If you've been abused as an adult as a spouse, as a child, as a, a, a youth or young person, if you've been abused, that person, God says, I will take care of it. Now, I say that emphatically so that you don't feel like that you've got to carry this cloud over the rest of this over the rest of your life. God's going to take care of it somehow, some way. But, you know, one of the problems is, is that vict- so much of the time, Victims always feel guilty. They feel like they've provoked or for some reason that they, uh, uh, that they deserved to be abused. Now, this is an astounding thought to me, but I see it continually, particularly with ladies who've been abused by their husbands. They, they somehow say, well, you know, it must be my fault. I'm telling you, it's never your fault when your husband socks you in the head. Or whatever way, he. it's not your fault. Because, I've noticed this, abusers are very skillful at making the victims feel like they're responsible. They use the blame game. Well, it's your fault. You, you did that. You made me. You made me. You made me. Well, you know, I, I, it'll never happen again, but, but you made me do that. This may not be a shouting message, but we're going somewhere in just a minute. These are, I told you that's why we call it taboo because this is things that no one things that no one wants to talk about. So they are very skillful of that. But you know what? 
I read scripture, it says like in Proverbs 3.24, you can go to bed without fear. You can lie down and sleep soundly. You don't need to be afraid of sudden disasters or destruction that comes near the, upon the wicked. For the Lord is your the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. In other words, God says, I'm going to take care of this. Now, he may ask you to do something about it, and we're going to discuss that in just a moment. We have to be a part of the restorative process. But you know what? Jesus actually came into the world, literally came into the world for abused victims. Now, we don't always see that. We don't, we don't connect the two of them. But yeah, he came for abused victims too. The Bible says in, in, in Isaiah 61, 1, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. So yes, Jesus came for those who are victims of abuse. He knows how to deal with it. He wants us to learn how to deal with it ourselves because you see, you are not alone. Now, I know it may feel like you're alone, but God says, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Tell the person beside you, whether you feel it or not, you are not alone. Tell them, you're not alone. Now, having said all of this, it brings up the question, should a, divorce, should a victim divorce his spouse? You didn't think I'd go there, did you? Should a victim divorce their spouse? Well, let me say a couple things that are just observations. No true Christian would engage in continual cruelty towards their spouse, period. I said no true Christian would continually be cruel to their spouse. Well, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. So, does God, wanna, does God want someone to divorce their spouse because of abuse? Let me say it this way. God is more interested in saving the life of the believer than saving the marriage. I say that again? God is more interested in saving the life of the believer than saving the marriage. What does that mean? That means if you're, if you're threatened with your life, you need to get out. God hates abuse. He is just and he will defend you and he will vindicate the abused and make sure that they don't get the accusations. God will take care of the abuser. See, to know his character is to know his response to the abused and the abuser. See, this is where people struggle. They say, well, I can't find, you know, the Bible says that a man, you know, Jesus said that, that, that you know, you're not supposed to divorce unless it's by immorality and da-da-da. And that's absolutely true. But when you look at the entirety, the continuity of the Scriptures, when you understand his character, you'll know how he wants to respond to the abused and the abuser. See, so we have, what we need to do is live like Jesus Christ. 
think like him, act like him, know the scripture well enough so that we know how to respond. Now, having said that, let me say this to us as a church. Domestic abuse should be an outrage to us. It should be an outrage to us. And we should fully support the victim and hold the perpetrator accountable. Always remember that. Now, I have to be careful. I can get upset about this kind of stuff, but I do. There is absolutely no reason, no excuse for any man to touch his wife except in a loving and affectionate way. Period. Boy, fellas, you should. Do I get an amen from you men? Jonathan, am I telling the truth? The whole truth. Eric, am I telling the truth on this? It's the truth. Now, having said all that, we're going to wrap this up. What is the root of all this abuse we see in the world and the domestic, particularly the domestic violence? What, what, what's the root of all this? Well, you weren't asking that question, but I had time to think about it, so I asked myself the question. I found my answer in Genesis chapter 4. And I want to go there. We're going to close on this scripture in Genesis 4. I'm going to begin. This is a story of the first two brothers born in the earth, Cain and Abel. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a stock tender. Cain brought an offering to the Lord of some of the fruit of the ground. And the Bible says that Abel brought the firstlings of his flock and, its fat, and their fat. Now, we know the story. God liked Abel's offering. Why? Because it was sacrificial and it was bloody. Because without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sins. Abel, or Cain, simply brought some fruit. But Abel brought the better. And it says here that God spoke, and it says in verse, let's look at verse 5. It says in verse 5, but for Cain and for his offering, he, being God, had no regard. So Cain, get this, so Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Now, wait a minute, let's stop. Now, I can understand that, but why would he let his anger get so much out of control and it says, and why has your countenance fallen? He says in verse 7, you, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. What is God saying? He's saying that, that anger and sin are synonymous. They're one and the same. You, now, the Bible in the New Testament says you can sin and yet not be, you can, you can be angry and yet not sin. Have you ever been, have you ever had a flash moment where you just about knocked somebody's lights out, but you didn't? I guess that would be extreme, but that would be an angry without sin. Now, if you hit him, that to me would be a sin. But it's amazing that he puts the two together and he says, if you don't do well, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is for you, its desire is for you, but you must, you must master it. 
So what is the root problem of violence and abuse in the home and all of our society? It's the spirit of anger. It's the chief instigator, the contributing factor to Cain and Abel, and it's still today. You say, well, what has that got to do with my husband that does all these terrible things? Somehow, some way, it's an anger issue. I mean, let's face it. I mean, your husband wouldn't whoop up on you just because he was feeling good. Now, I guess that could happen if he was drunk or something. But anyway, no, it's all about anger. Everyone say anger. Now, what are, what are the causes of this roots, this spirit of anger getting into people's lives? Well, there are many different causes for anger. Uh, one could be past hurts. Maybe something happened to them. It could be a guilt over an incident they had in their life at some time. It could be rejection. Maybe the mom or the daddy rejected them, and they've never been able to get over it. I thought about this one. I believe sometimes anger is rooted in this concept of not accepting the unchangeable. You say, well, what do you mean by not accepting the unchangeable? Well, can you change your physical, uh, uh, physical appearance? Well, you can doctor it up a little bit, but you can't change it. Could it be that somebody's not happy with the way they look and anger rides out of that and then that anger turns into outburst? What about mental capacities? Maybe you're not the smartest person on the block. Maybe you're jealous of someone, a brother or sister, who got all the smarts. Anybody besides myself had that happen? What about birth order? Well, I should be first. No, you're the baby. Well, I don't want to be the baby. It's these little things like that to trigger it. I can, I, can I suggest that, that race could be something you couldn't change? Your parents can't change him. Your brothers and sisters help us, Jesus. Just family members in general. These all can be root issues of that, that fertilize the spirit of anger. And the problem with anger, anger always has as its twin sister pride. Anger always has a sister called pride. See, pride is when you, you don't see your own personal thoughts. That's why men blame it on their husbands because they think that they're right and their spouse is wrong. And that's the spirit of pride rooted in anger. I hope I'm not getting too deep here. So they get prideful and they say, well, it's not my fault, it's your fault. And, and, and then in that pride, they'll always, they'll, they'll always, they'll use generalizations like always or everybody or this is the worst one, you always. See, they're always putting the blame. So pride, the sister of anger, gets in there and it just creates this, this havoc thing. And so there can be a lot of things. There can be, you can be, uh, uh, the, the, the issues of uh, un, unspoken expectations, that's a big one my wife and I have discovered over the years, with especially with spouses, husbands and wives. They'll have an expectation, but they never verbalized it to their spouse. Now, in that case with my mom and dad, my, dad definitely, my mom definitely knew my dad did not like cream cheese. He verbalized it. Holding offenses.
think of this. Maybe, um, maybe you find, find out after you're married your wife wasn't, that you weren't the first one. Well, you didn't think it was maybe important to tell him, but to him it's a big deal. Now, if he'd known before he married him, he would have an option. But see, now he's married, he didn't have an option. So what does he do? He gets offended. Well, I'm not the first one. Why am I not the first one? And then he begins to look at her in an evil way. And the next thing you know, he's, he's beating up on her. Well, he, you know, and he doesn't think about it. And then he's blaming her because of her, of her hairstyle or whatever it might be. Do you get this? I'm closing. Let's look at a couple things. What are some signs of anger? Well, we know violence would be one of them, right? How about threats? That's called reviling. How about speaking evil? This is a big one. Misusing authority. A lot of men particularly. They'll bounce this one. Well, uh, me, man, you, woman, me lead you. You listen, me. And you know, that's not going to go well with a lady. And she's saying, well, baby, if you'd love me as much as you love yourself, it wouldn't be hard. Anyway, I could go on and on. Bottom line is this. Abuse is diametrically opposed to the ruling principles of God's word. Absolutely. Because he talks about unselfish love. And that's why pride comes in particularly with men because they're selfish. Women can be too, but men typically can get more selfish than women. Am I telling lady, am I tell ladies, am I telling the truth? Unselfish love. Can I read you a scripture as we close? First John four seven and eight. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. See, an abusive person does not know how to love. And the reason typically that they don't know how to love is because they don't know God. Now, I say that to say this. If you're in this room today without God, you're pretty much helpless concerning these issues we've talked about today because you don't have the power the restraining power of the Holy Spirit in your life to help you change. Very few people can make changes on the mere actions of, of, who, of, of, of a human being. And so we're going to talk, I, we're going to close with some prayer here. I want to talk about, first of all, let's talk about the victim. Victims have not dealt rationally with their experiences. Victims always want to be victims. 
and actually can attract victimization. We all have had unfair treatment in our lives. But we have to decide if we're going to be a victim or get a victory. See, I grew up literally in Longview on what was called the wrong side of the tracks. And in most people's eyes, we were just white trash. In an overpopulated family. But sometimes I did as my brothers and sisters because we had good training from our mom. We learned that we're not victims. But if we learn to talk about our issues, then the thing that was victimizing us now became our testimony and it brings light to the whole thing. Because, you know, I grew up in the house that God wanted me to be in. He made me to look like I look, whether I like it or not. He made me white. Maybe you're a different skin color. He he made you something else. But does that give you the right to always call yourself a victim? getting personal. The point is this, you overcome the victimization by shedding light on your life. So if you were abused as a child, physically or sexually, and I would promise you a large number, even in this congregation, had those things happen to you. But you have to decide how you're going to deal with it. The worst thing you can do as a Christian is sweep it under the rug and let it infest in your life and change your very character. The best, in fact, he read of Scripture Matthew today. You put a lamp, we are called to be the light of the world. The best way to get over the victimization, the bad thing that happened to you as a child or as a teenager, or as a young adult, or even as a mature adult. The best way to overcome that and live a victorious life is to fess up that it happened, understand it wasn't your responsibility, that you did not cause it, you did not instigate it, but it happened. And when you expose it to the light, now the very thing that's kept you back has now become the most powerful part of your testimony. Because the testimony of Jesus Christ is that He takes us all out of abuse situations and turns us around and makes something of value to Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are changed people. So we're no longer afflicted by our abusers any longer when you bring it to light. Are you following me? So the, and, and so there may be people in this room today that you've been victimized, but yet you are allowing anger to control you. 
because of the way you were treated or because this happened to you. And why did God let this happen? God did not let it happen. You live in a, we all live in a sinful world. These things do happen. It's how we deal with them. So are you going to be a, are you going to be a victim the rest of your life or are you going to be victorious and give your testimony and say, but God. But God brought me through. God changed me. Yes, I had this happen when I was a child. I had this happen as a teenager. I had this happen as an adult. But God intervened and He changed me. Let God take care of the abuser. Let Him deal with that person. But let's deal with ourselves first. For us, because you see, if you carry this into your family, you're going to... You're going to transport this curse onto your children and your grandchildren. And then you're going to wonder why they've been having the same issues you did. It's because you didn't become victorious. You chose to remain a victim. Now I know, and all these things, they're not your fault. Tell the person beside you, whatever happened to you is not your fault. Tell them, it's not your fault. See, the testimony of every believer is, yeah, I went through some stuff. Yes, I've gone through some stuff, but God's brought me through. Yeah, I've got, I got this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened, but Jesus changed my life, and now I'm different. See, that's the good news. People don't want to hear about your victimization, how this happened to you, unless there's a good promise at the end of it that I don't have to go through that. Could it be? That God could take that terrible abuse you took as a child or as an adult and use it to bring glory to His name. You say, I can't see how that could happen to me today. It can happen. If you let it go and release it, God will set you free. Because Jesus said, I came to set the oppressed free. Those in bondage, I died for you. So no longer live as a victim. Live as a, a, a victorious person who knows that Jesus Christ is the one that supports me and takes care of me and heals me. So I want everyone to stand to your feet. We're going to pray. There are people in this room, if we were truly honest with ourselves, so, you know, I've been, I've been using this victim thing way too long. I'm a victim in this and a victim of that. I can't help myself. Uh, you know, I, I'm a sad person because I had all these terrible things happen to me. I'm a victim because of, you know, da-da-da or whatever. Now, you don't go around telling people you're a victim, but you live it. And you, don't offer, you can't offer hope to anyone else because you don't have any. Maybe some of you are in the midst of, of a situation right now and you don't know what to do. Well, I can promise you this. God doesn't want you to be a victim any longer. We're going to pray for people. I want, you know, I don't encourage publicly going back and scratching way, way, way back to whenever, whenever. I mean, yeah, things can even happen before you're born. But just because you weren't raised with by your mama, your daddy, is no excuse to be a victim. Maybe you were molested as a child, and you, quote, never got over it. 
and and, and uh, particularly with ladies. And now you're you're you're. I'm just being honest. You're sexually stone cold. It makes your skin crawl to think of someone touching you. Uh, for men, you may have had an uncle or a cousin that abused you. And even though you don't practice anything, you have some tendencies that you know that shouldn't be there. Being effeminate or lewd thoughts. Oh, and the list could go on, couldn't it? We're going to deal with that. We're going to deal. See, you're no longer a victim in Jesus Christ. You are victorious. So I'm, and, and I'm going to give you an opportunity. We're going to come forward, but I want, I want to push one more thing. There are people in this room today that you are always on the cusp of blowing up. You've got what I call what I call a hair trigger, and just boom. You know, you feel like inside you you could you could cut loose any moment. But then there are others, particularly men, who've adapted well to themselves of hiding their anger, and then they come they come become sullen and stoic and they're hiding it, the anger. They know that if they get out of control, they're not sure what they would do. There are men dealing with anger in this room today, maybe because you didn't have a father in the house, or maybe your father was abusive, or maybe he was never around. Or I don't know. But we're going to pray. We're going to get some freedom today. So I'm going to open this altar for a moment and ask you, and we're not going I don't want you to spill your beans to anyone. This is not about you coming public Tell everybody, this is you coming forward and saying, Lord, I've got to give this over to you. I cannot deal with this any longer. Maybe maybe you've been hiding this incident in from your childhood, and you still have hurtful thoughts and reactions whenever the subject's even discussed. You need help from Jesus Christ to set you free. I want you to come on. Get, get up out of your seat. Get, you're already out of your seats. Come on up here. We're going to pray. Whoever that might be, whoever wants to, to get prayer, we're going to pray for you very briefly. I'm going to leave you in just a moment. I know this is such a hard thing to do, but my friends, it's time to bring the truth to the, to the church and say, you know, we can deal with this. Come on. Come on. It's okay. Uh, there, there's a lady here been convinced because you've had some relational issues with a couple of men over the years and uh, I don't know if you're with a man now or not, I don't know I just know is that you've really had some issues with it and you're blaming yourself that it's your fault well now's the time to get your, your freedom and fellas I'm going to talk to you you know as well as I do fellas that some of you in this room have got that split-haired anger issue. And you say things in the midst of a discussion that you know you shouldn't say, and you, quote, don't mean it, but you still say it, and you have to go back, drive a little bit, and forget, ask for forgiveness. But you've, you've, got, you've got some temper issues. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to psychoanalyze anyone, but, fellas, you know that's a fact. If you blow up or feel like you're going to blow up, fellas, I want you to put down your pride. Put down the pride because remember, 
Pride is the sister to anger. And so I'm going to deal with this today. Come on, fellas, get some guts in you. Be vulnerable enough to say, yeah, I, 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 I do that. I have. I just potentials, potentials in me to do that. Come on, fellas. Thank you. Y'all are scared stiffless, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to close it up. It's time to go home. Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.